We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. Come at you Thursday night after the Timberwolves took care of business on the road in Detroit. Final score Wolves 127, Pistons 118. Plenty to get to from the game tonight. We'll talk about Ant getting back on track with the 25 point night. Talk Torian Prince scoring 23 points for the second consecutive game. Just the Wolves keeping their cool, keeping their composure, even after all three of Cat. Pat Bev and Ant picked up first half technicals. And then we'll also hit on after the game, too. Uh, What was said, Carl Anthony Towns talked at length about his all-star selection. And then Anthony Edwards ordered McDonald's during the press conference. So we will get to all of that. Um, The big ticket item, though, tonight is is Cat making the all-star team. So we'll start there. For the season, Cat is averaging 24.4 points per game, nine and a half boards, and 3.9 assists per. He's shooting 41% from three, 57% from two. And I had a little concern that those numbers might get in the way of Cat making the All-Star team this year, despite this, in my opinion, being the most impactful season of his career. None of those numbers, 24 points, nine and a half boards, four assists, 41 from three, 57 from two, none of those numbers are career highs for Cat. None of them are even the second best number of his career. But that, you know, that totally skips the context of this season. You know, most notably, the Wolves are 27 and 25 here, 52 games into the season. And Cat is clearly the best player on that 27 and 25 team. Obviously, the only other year they've had a better record at the 52 game mark of the season during Cat's career was that Jimmy Butler season when they were 30 and 22 at that point. But there, there's other context, too, outside of the winning. I mean, Cat's scoring is down this year because he's splitting the usage with two scorers and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. All three of those guys have almost equal usage rates, and there's only, you know, there's only so much you can share there. You know, could Cat average more than 24? Like, of course. Would that hurt the development of Anthony Edwards? Would that have gotten in the way of D'Angelo Russell's sort of resurgence this year? Yeah, almost for sure. And yes, nine and a half rebounds per game is a career low, but right, what's the context there? Oh yeah, Jared Vanderbilt is starting next to him. Not Jake Lehman like last year or Robert Covington in years past. Vanderbilt is 
a legit power forward, and he's averaging nine boards per game himself. And Cat's also playing a different, completely different type of defensive coverage this season. He's asked to get out and guard on the perimeter. Of course, the three years Cat averaged over 12 rebounds per game all came under Tibbs. Cat was almost exclusively used in drop coverage under Tibbs. Boards, when you're in drop, like boards literally just fall into your lap there. But I think the, the best piece of context that doesn't show up in any of those numbers, those surface numbers that we list off, is the fact that Cat's playing the best defense of his career. I mean, after the Wolves were a bottom 10 defense, all six of Cat's first six seasons in the NBA, they rank 11th in defense this season. In defensive effective plus minus, Cat grades out as a 68th percentile defender this season. You know, I see that and I remember back in the day going on and on about how significant it would be if Cat could even get to being like a 40th percentile defender, like just be close to average. And Cat was a 7th percentile defensive player, according to defensive effective plus minus his second season in the league. It's the context. It's all that. It's the context that screams it's obvious that Cat's an all-star this year. You might you might not be able to see that incremental growth in Cat's game if you haven't been watching every night. But if you have been watching it, like the impact on winning Cat's having is pretty obviously grown. I asked Cat after tonight's game about what has changed since he was last an all-star in the 2018-19 season. Hey, Carl. Congratulations on the accomplishment. Thank you. Um, compared to the other two all-star seasons, I'm curious where you see your game having grown most. From, from those two years compared to this year? I think I think that for me, one, one of the things I'm realizing, especially in this recent games, is, you know, how, how much I'm just letting the game come, come to me, you know? It's just I'm not really chasing anything. I'm just letting the game come to me, making the right plays and, and, and just trusting, trusting our team that uh, everything will come back around. And, and, and I don't feel – I feel like the game is just really slow, you know, and that's just a testament to – you know, work on the court with the coaches and also just uh, great film, great studying and, and just getting wiser and older. Uh, the game feels really, you know, much more slow to me. And it was already feeling really slow. So um, there's many times during the game, I don't I, I don't realize how I think that, you know, we start the game 12 minutes and I'm like, oh, man, it's already probably like two minutes in the quarter. And I look up and there's nine minutes, nine and a half minutes. So just to have that kind of feeling where the game is that slow and it's uh I kind of feel like I get to uh, really uh, have enough time to do everything I want to do. And then you, you'd said in previous years, like I can guard on the perimeter. I, I, I can, I can do that. That that's something I, you know, I have confidence in and, and you've been doing it this season. That's obviously we're talking about the scheme and the change there, but I guess how good does it feel to have been right about that? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't just saying that just to say it. I mean, that's, I know I didn't just walk into these media rooms with that Patrick Beverly confidence just to say, it. you know, uh, the number of synergy has been proven it for years. So I've always been one of the best, uh, if not the best, at switching on to march from a fourth uh, center position. So I just knew that the numbers were good. I always felt uh, great guarding guards one-on-one, so felt very comfortable. So uh, I just wanted to put that out there more so we can utilize that kind of talent, that talent, that skill set I have uh, defensively for our, for our betterment. So uh, 
I just just always felt very confident in my skills or very, very confident in my in my feet and uh, the way I've been able to move throughout my career. So I just wanted to do uh, what's best for our team. And I felt that sometimes we could throw offenses uh, into a loop if when I'm able to just uh, a 15 switch and just uh, let me uh, let me be on that island by myself. I don't think you can undersell the importance of that defensive shift. Not just the defensive improvement from Cap, but the way that he's being used as a defender. For all six of Cat's first six years in the league, from Sam Mitchell to Tom Thibodeau to Ryan Saunders, Cat was almost exclusively used in the same way. Back at the rim as a rim defender, not touching up on guards on the perimeter. But to Cat's credit, he always said it's something he wanted to do more of. He said getting out and guarding guards is something he can do. And if I'm being honest, I, I, I never really believed him. I thought, you know, I thought it was kind of counterintuitive, right? If if you're a bigger lumbering center and you're not gonna, you're not gonna get it and drop coverage, then like, how are you going to be better in a quicker, more aggressive coverage up at the level? But then, I remember after Cat saying some of that a few years ago. I remember the first ten games after the Jimmy Butler trade happened, and Robert Covington, Dario Sarge come to town. And in that time, the Wolves completely changed. Tibbs let Cat go out onto the perimeter, and he and Robert Covington were swarming dudes out of the point of attack. I, I remember the first game specifically. It was against Kemba Walker and the Charlotte Hornets, the first game we saw it, and they just blitzed Kemba. It was just so glaringly different than anything Cat had ever done before. Defensively, you, you, you couldn't miss it, and it just it's just stuck with me even since, you know, in the, the years since then. I remember asking Cat about it after that game, and he was like, I, I told you I could do it. And the Wolves stuck with that coverage for like 11 games after that Jimmy Butler trade. And over that month, post-Jimmy trade, they had the number three defense in the league. I remember that. Again, after being a bottom five defense the year before when they made the playoffs. But it was why was it only 11 games? Well, it was only 11 games because Rocco got hurt, remember? So they had to go away from that coverage because they didn't have the personnel to run it with Cat. And then Tibbs gets fired. Saunders comes in as the coach. Rocco's knee never gets better, and he misses the rest of that season. And the defensive scheme never came back either. Gerson Rosas was hired the following summer, and he specifically went out of his way to hire a defensive coordinator who had specialized in drop coverage. And David Vanterpool, who had been running that in Portland, right, with Yusuf Nurkic. Drop was a mandate from Rosas to Saunders. They wanted Cat back defending the rim. Saunders goes on to get fired. Rosas goes on to get fired. Chris Finch takes over, and the blitzing defensive coverage is back. And I think it literally changed Cat's career. It certainly has improved his defensive perception around the league. It certainly made the Wolves a better defensive team. And I think it's certainly part of the reason that Cat is an all-star this season. You know, and again, to Cat's credit, he knew. He said that that defensive shift has been massive. In tonight's game specifically, uh, Anthony Edwards was also massive. He he started the night with 12 points in the first quarter. He finished as the Wolves' leading scorer with 25. Um, after a little lull from Ant these past few games, kind of some complaining about his knees hurting. It was it was getting slightly concerning, but. After, after that lull tonight, you know, Ant kind of looked back to his old self. Not super efficient, but he did kind of drive the Wolves' offense tonight. 
He was also back to his uh, post-game uh, shenanigans at the, the press conference. And I'll I'll just play it for you here. It's, it's, it's better with video. I posted it on Twitter. But uh, Ant made us hold off on asking questions until he finished placing his McDonald's order on his phone. What's up, nephews? Hold on, y'all. Don't ask no questions there. I'm trying to put an order in. McDonald's. Yes, sir. What's, what's on the menu tonight? Chris, he said no questions. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Tell me to lock in, man. Hold on, hold on. I got one more thing. Big chickens. Oh, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Customized, no ice. I like Minnesota, y'all. I love Minnesota, man. Hope y'all love me back. And proceeded to tell us that uh, he's only ordering off the value menu, McChickens from McDonald's, till till he gets his next contract. Um, outside of his McDonald's order and scoring twenty five points tonight, uh, I guess in less exciting news for Ant, uh, he was not named to the All Star team. I, I kind of went into this on the last pod after the Denver game, but I, I do think Ant was right on the fringe there of being an All Star. I, I think if Andrew Wiggins wouldn't have gotten one of those. 12 Western Conference all-star spots by being named a starter through the fan boat that that Edwards might have gotten the 12th spot, which now is kind of the first alternate spot, right? The injury replacement. There will be at least one injury replacement, being as Draymond Green said tonight that he will not be able to play in the all-star game due to his back injury. So it will be between the likes of Edwards and Anthony Davis, DeJounte Murray, I think for that for that one spot, I think my guess is that goes to Davis. Um, Davis has been back. He's he's now played a greater percentage of his games, which I think will mean for Ant to make it. We're probably looking at needing another injury replacement on top of Draymond. Donovan Mitchell was kind of an option for that, but he's now back from his injuries. I think he's returning tomorrow night. So that spot won't open up there. Uh, Rudy Gobert also made the team. He's also injured. I don't know the severity of that injury. Maybe that's a spot that opens up for Ant or even LeBron. I mean, LeBron is dealing with some sort of injury. I'm not sure how long that will take him to return from. So I I think Ant still has a chance here, and it's going to be based on how many, if anyone else, in addition to Draymond, misses the game. For the season, Edwards is averaging 22.5 points per game this year, five boards, four assists, one and a half steals per game. He's also shooting 36% from three, 52% from two. Factor in his free throws, and that goes into his true, true shooting percentage, and it is over league average. So, I mean, I think 22 a night on super high volume and above league average efficiency is a pretty good you know, case to be made for Edwards. But also, like Cat, Ant is on a team that's having success this season. The Wolves are firmly in the playoff picture. And then also, like Cat, you know, Ant has made individual strides this season defensively. After a pretty brutal year on defense as a rookie, Ant's understanding of defensive concept has really grown this season. He's becoming a strong off-ball defender after frequently getting lost there last year. And even in one-on-one defensive matchups, he's... He's, he's taking a step forward. He's he's squaring guys up. He's taking the challenge. 
I mean, I, you can think of a lot of situations this year late in the shot clock where Ant has been able to stay with a, you know, a Devin Booker or CJ McCollum and kind of hold his own. He's still definitely learning how to navigate screens effectively, both on the ball and off the ball. But overall, Ant grades out, according to that defensive effective plus minus stat, as a 68th percentile defender this season. Same as Cat. I'm not saying Ant has, you know, it's a no-brainer to to be in the All-Star game outright, or even a no-brainer to be a, a replacement, but I think he's objectively in the conversation. And he's definitely on a better team than Anthony Davis. He's definitely on a better team than DeJounte Murray. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how Adam Silver factors that all in this week. All right, I know that was almost zero talk about tonight's game in Detroit. All-star teams were announced tonight. I wanted to hit on that stuff first. But after the break here, we'll dig into the Wolves' third straight win and who, outside of Cat and Ant, contributed to that win. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back discussing the Wolves' 128-117 to victory over the Pistons on Thursday night. I said 25 points for Ant, 21 for Cat. But much like the win over Denver on Tuesday, the flow of this game was similar. A lot of Jared Vanderbilt early. Vando had seven first-quarter points again. I think he had three dunks in that quarter, two of which were generated by steals that led to runouts for buckets. And then also, much like the Denver game, the second unit story was Torian Prince. Prince had 23 points against Denver on 8 of 12 shooting, and tonight in Detroit, Prince had 23 points on 8 of 13 shooting. 
the Wolves, others, I guess you could call it, you know, they they keep killing it. This bench unit of Nas Reed, Torian Prince, Malik Beasley, Jalen Noel, and Jordan McLaughlin are rolling. With those five all on the floor together, both in the first quarter tonight and the third quarter tonight, the Wolves went on a run. But this time, you know, it wasn't only it wasn't only Prince. Malik Beasley and Jordan McLaughlin check into the game six and a half minutes into the third quarter when the Wolves were down 79 to 82. And when those two checked out four and a half minutes into the fourth quarter, the Wolves were up 117 to 101. It was a 38 to 19 run. That was that was the difference today. Here's Chris Finch after the game on that unit and that run. In the in that little stretch in the third, when McLaughlin, Beasley, Prince come in, did that kind of really try to start to swing things in in the, your direction the way they played? Yeah, it did. I mean, again, we got some pace in the game. We were able to get a lot of stops and then run and move the ball well. And those two guys made shots at a high level, so uh, they're in a good rhythm. You know, certainly that unit. <coughs> excuse me, that unit is. Um, you know, I didn't think they had a great first shift, but their second shift made up for it. I'm really interested to see what Finch does with this group once D'Angelo Russell returns. And Finch did say that D'Lo's injury is still you know, short-term in nature and that he does expect Russell back soon. That could be as early as Sunday, again, against Detroit. And like we've talked about a lot, D'Lo is usually in with that second group, the early sub-out, the early re-entry in. So he leads that bench unit. So if that is going to stick, then one of these bench five guys will need to not be out there. And I'm really curious who that will be. I think that'll indicate a lot. I mean, Finch is playing 10 guys right now with Russell out, and I highly doubt he's just going to add Russell back in for 30 minutes a night and go to an 11-man rotation. So I think whoever D'Lo replaces in that five-man bench group is going to be out of the rotation altogether. You'd assume D'Lo, a point guard, returning means that Jordan McLaughlin, the point guard of that group, just moves back to the bench. But I'm I'm not so sure about that. I mean, Finch has repeatedly brought up one just praise of J-Mac, but also wanting to get back to the lineups where D'Lo and J-Mac are out there together, where they had success doing that last season. So if Finch does want to get to that, I think, and Jordan McLaughlin stays in the rotation, then I think that means that Jalen Noel or Malik Beasley would be the one to get yanked, and it's obviously super hard to see Beasley being pulled from the rotation altogether, but I think we're at the point where this is the closest it's ever been to making sense. Other points in the year, right, like Beasley was struggling, and it might have made sense to want to replace Beasley in the rotation, but there just wasn't anybody to replace him. But we're kind of getting there. The other bench guys are producing. But also, to be fair, like, Beasley went four for five from deep tonight. He, He played well. So, you know, maybe that isn't the conclusion. Maybe the conclusion to come to is the idea that simply moving on from Beasley at the deadline is beginning to make sense. As you all know, I've I've held out on that idea pretty strongly because I felt that even if Beasley is shooting 34% from deep, that this team needs that shooting, needs that spacing. Well, that's becoming less of a need. You know, Torian Prince has his shot back. Over the past eight games, Prince is shooting 64% from three. And for the season, Prince is up to 39.1% from deep. Which also isn't necessarily like some aberration from Prince. He shot 40% from three last year. And his last two years in Atlanta, Prince shot 39% from three both of those seasons. 
there's a strong case to be made that 39% from three is what a healthy and involved and engaged Torian Prince does from three. And if that's at all reliable, then a volume three-point bomber like Beasley is, it's not that he's not a need, but it becomes less of a need. I, I really don't know what's going to happen with Beasley. I, I know his name has been out there in trade talks. You watch Utah as a potential place Beasley could land. But from a current Wolves roster standpoint, on the wing, there isn't necessarily a glaring need to replace Beasley if you trade him with another player from another roster. I think Britt put it really well on the pod yesterday. If the, if the Wolves would have traded Torian Prince like three weeks ago for a player that came in and has done what Prince has done these past few weeks, we'd, we'd talk about it as some amazing trade. Which which just makes the case that standing pat is sometimes the best move. I don't know if that's the case with Beasley. I think it's less obvi- obvious, but that could be the same thing with Beasley too. All in all, the, the Wolves have gotten to a point where depth is just not a glaring issue for this team. They're not only kind of deep, but they're beginning to make sense together, which, I don't know, that, that kind of makes it exponentially better. When they're playing inferior second units like Denver's without Jokic and Detroit's tonight, like the Wolves bench is the strength of this team. They play Detroit again on Sunday, and I think we learned tonight that you know they they do need to perform the starters and the bench. This, I don't think this is a gimme. Like Detroit kind of reminds me of the Pelicans who have played the Wolves hard this year. We knew, we know the Wolves have kind of had a problem with underestimating the Pelicans this season. The Wolves struggled with the Pelicans' physicality. And even if Detroit isn't very good, I think they're similarly physical to New Orleans. You, you certainly felt that in the first half tonight. You know The Wolves were actually losing at halftime. And that's because Detroit mucked up the game with physicality. And the Wolves should have seen that coming. The, the Wolves have the highest foul rate in the league, as we know, but Detroit fouls the second most. You know, you line that up and, and you're going to get a fight. And sometimes when you get that much following, you're just not going to get the calls you want. Right? It just becomes kind of chaotic. First half was chaotic. All three of Cat, Ant, and Pat Bev picked up technicals on separate plays just in the first half. Cat and Ant were arguing with the refs, and Pat Bev got his tech for getting a little shoving match with Sadiq Bey. You know, after, after the game, Chris Finch said it reminded him of the Atlanta game, that crazy game where Ant did get ejected. But Finch also pointed out that in the second half, Unlike the Atlanta game tonight, they were able to kind of refocus. I thought you saw that tonight from Edwards specifically. He got the early tech for arguing with the refs on the drive, but then you could see him kind of doing his best to contain himself. I really think, I, I really do think that if the Atlanta game wouldn't have happened, that Ant might have gotten ejected tonight. You know, as, as annoying as that Atlanta game was and will be in hindsight as a as probably a preventable loss, I think it served as a situation where Ant was able to learn what he can and cannot get away with. I asked Ant about that after the game tonight. Ant, along those lines with the, you know, it really looked like you were trying to control your emotions on those drives. Do you feel like you you learned something from that Atlanta game on like how to, what, how and when to go with that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even the first tick, I wasn't like, I didn't, I learned from Atlanta. I can't walk towards the ref. Um, you know, I can't, like, do any gestures to 
towards the ref. And I learned that. So I was just kind of like, yo, come on. And when I went up and talked to him, he was just like, you can't clap at me. So I was like, cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, we grow. Grow and we learn. I think the growth for Ant tonight wasn't only in not getting that second tech, but in continuing to attack the basket even after he wasn't getting the calls. Edwards was only two of nine from deep tonight. So he needed that juice at the basket. The Wolves needed that. And that is where he made his hay tonight. He was seven of 12 from two and five for five from the line when he did get fouled. Again, moving in the right direction and definitely a bounce back game for man. All right, let's wrap tonight on some notes from prize picks. The only two picks I got wrong were Detroit picks. I took the under on 16 and a half points for Sadiq Bay. Bay had a huge night, actually finished with 21 points, 13 boards, and eight assists. I uh, I love Bay as a player, and uh, he he cost me the pick tonight. I also took the over on four and a half made free throws for Jeremy Grant. Again, logic there was in a battle of the foul teams. I thought Grant would get to the line a lot. He did take five three free throws, but he only made three of them, so he missed that pick too. I did correctly pick the over on one and a half made threes for Grant. He made three of them. And I also correctly took the over on three made free throws for Ant, who did get fouled some, and he finished with five made free throws. And then my last pick was the over on eight and a half points for Jared Vanderbilt, and that's just kind of feeling like a free square on prize picks right now. It was, they're just going off of Vando's season averages when setting that line, right? And Vando was not involved in the offense for much of the first half of the year, so his overall scoring average is down but he, he's clearly part of the scoring now I you know I used to think Vanderbilt's scoring was directly correlated to D'Angelo Russell being out there with him but now we're seeing Vando independently create his own offense Vando finished with 13 points tonight so overall that's three and two on the night brings me to 106 92 and seven on these picks on the year uh, if you've been holding off on joining prize picks remember you can easily sign up and get a $100 sign-up bonus <clears throat> if you sign up using the promo code DANE. Just my first name on prizepicks.com or the PrizePicks app. Like we said, it's Detroit again on Sunday. The Wolves come into that one on a three-game winning streak. And they are two games over 500 for the first time since the fourth game of the year. Currently, the Wolves are one and a half games behind the Nuggets for the sixth seed and two games behind the Mavs for the five seed. Denver plays the Pelicans on Friday. Mavs play the Sixers that night as well. So that could, you know, that one and a half and two game deficit could potentially be cut down even further by the time the Wolves play on Sunday. Enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you after that Detroit one. It's a 2.30 start. So enjoy your weekend. Until then, I'm Dane. How oh, I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah it's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.